volume nice and loud. Because we are controlling transmissions with dance beats and R&B. You're in the mix with Lil Drummer Girl. With your host, Dawn Marie. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Dawn Marie, and today I'm uber excited. I think I might have been blessed by the marketing god, Nicholas Riley, a martial artist, massage therapist, Pilates and Cher, former Broadway dancer and actress. She's here today to teach you on how to pay your potential customers or clients. Let's admit, she's one of the most amazing, talented, and beautiful businesswomen out there that I know. She's supercharged super smart and super in control over her empire. Forbes and I met several years ago when I worked in the HSN. Now mind when you sell something on live TV, you only have a set amount of time to sell a product which is a really tricky thing to do. It's unscripted, and no one, I mean, no one does it like she can. For the past 25 years, she is the queen of pitch, and she and her famous Finjin have taken the art of selling on TV to the next level. She has sold over 1.2 million Finjins worldwide, and is, and is sold on HSN and QVC all around the world, and has credited over 130 infomercials. Maybe you saw her on the Jacqueline Lane Juicer infomercials. So please, without further ado, let me introduce you for Welcome Forbes. What a wonderful intro. Can I have you put that as my alarm? wake up and just kind of tell me how wonderful I am on a regular basis. <laughs> sure thing. Well, thank you. That's, I'm very honored to be, you know, I'm actually always honored when I get a chance to speak. Um, I didn't know for the longest time that I had anything to say. I was kind of what I thought was minding my own business going along my way and I thought so many people had other things to say. And it all changed one day during an interview a couple of years ago at a very high level mastermind and somebody just interviewed me for a book and I was riveted by what, what came out. And now you can't shut me up. So thank you so very much for the platform. Anytime. I'm just so excited to have you here tonight, so thank you. I know you have a really crazy schedule and you were traveling for so Marco. Um, I was trying to make this as quick as I can, but it really struck me on the uh, cruise and you mentioned the story about uh, you joining a beauty pageant and it really it struck a chord within me. Um, can you tell me why you entered that? Fine. Well, this is an interesting story. So, if you ever see a picture of me, people go, wow, you you know, you look very attractive. I grew up in a, a very uh, small town in Long Island, kind of talking like this growing up in a bad, bad, bad environment and uh, I had gotten hit in the face with a baseball bat when I was eight years old and my nose kind of grew off to the side of my face. I was a little chubby because in 1968 when I was a kid, McDonald's and Kentucky Fried Chicken and Arby's had just come to town and we lived on fast food and fried chicken cutlets and TV dinners and lots of soda and so certainly french fries. So I was a little chunky. I had frizzy hair because we lived in Long Island and I'm buck teeth and I had braces for eight years. I got them when I was eight. I got them off when I was 16. So wow. needless to say, you looked at me and I look at these photos and I feel very sad for that little girl because she's anything but attractive. And I knew it. I knew I was smart um, and that was another issue so I was this weird little bookworm. Didn't have a whole lot of friends, wasn't very articulate, but had a big dream. I mean, I spent a lot of my off hours watching television and movies. I discovered that if you look at AFI's top 100, not only is there the top 100, I've actually watched the top 1,000. That's a lot of hours spent in a dark movie theater, dreaming that you were anybody else and looked, and, and we're pretty. I really just want to be pretty. Well, as luck would have it, when I was 15 years old, my dad, was actually 14, my dad slipped, he was a printer, and he caught his hand in a printing press and he ripped off the front of his hand. And he spent the next three years having 15 different operations and three years in the hospital. So all my high school years were spent taking care of my dad. Every night dinner was in the hospital. With very rare exception, they let him come home. And 
if you ever dealt with a hospital bill, you can just imagine what three years did to my family. He was a very blue-collar worker, and we were completely broke. So my mom turned to me at some point and said, we know you're smart. I, I didn't have a lot of extracurricular activities, so I got no scholarships to college. And she said, we have no money for you. Uh, it was a little devastating. But then she also said, that as we were driving, she said, you know, there, there's this pageant. Now, she didn't say the word beauty, because I'm like, mom, she's like, no, 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 don't worry. It's not a beauty pageant. I'm like, thank you. It's a written test, a talent, and a personality. It's called the Miss Teenage America Pageant, and it's televised on NBC with Bob Hope. I think you've got talent, personality, and you're smart. Now, the time that she said that, actually, my doctor, my husband, my dad's doctor, actually said, you know, we can fix her nose. And at 15, I actually had a rhinoplasty. They actually put my nose, I was really badly broken, and he fixed it. And I guess I didn't eat for a little while, lost a couple of pounds, the nose made me look kind of cute. <laughs> and I went and took the written test. I did very well. I, my talent was tap dancing, and um, I did my personality. And actually, you know, I won. Now, one of the things that happened, my braces had come off, and I couldn't stop smiling. I couldn't wait to show my teeth. My nose looked darn cute, and it was kind of funny how I ended up in a, a national beauty pageant getting a scholarship to college, and there was a little bit of a happy ending to that story, and I got to be on TV with Bob Hope. That is amazing. Now, one of the things that happened, though, as I've now reflected on my life and started to tell stories about this, is something very interesting. Now, I walked into the room um, where, the, where the written test was, and I very clearly remember seeing 150 girls there and thinking one of these girls is going to get to be on national television with Bob Hope. And I said, you know, it's going to be me. I'm going to make this happen. I need my dad to feel proud of me. I need to put a smile on his face. And this would do that. And that was my why. It was a very powerful, I had the most powerful why in the room, I think. And I was also focused on what I want. And I dreamed it. I totally put this whole thing together. And, you know, to this day, my whole motto is dream it, believe it, achieve it. And when I look at that moment, I thought, man, you got what you set out. You didn't even know that was what was happening. But I now teach it and live it because most people, truthfully, don't dream big enough. You know, I coach all the time and I speak around the world. And I'll challenge people and I'll get them. And if we ask you how much money you want to make, I won't ask you and put you on the spot. But maybe your listeners can go, huh, I'd like to make X. Well, what's your reaction if I told you, why don't you say I want to make X times 10? Most people literally have a physical reaction to that statement. Well, I, I just said I wanted to make $200,000. You're telling me I should think about making $2 million? How would I ever? And they start with all these excuses about how they could never do that. And I'm here to tell you that if you actually focused on that and that was your intention, you can actually come up with unique ways to do that. And then I've done that with people and I've challenged them and I've set out action plans that they never even dreamed were possible. And then they achieve it and they look at me going, wow, that was way easier than I thought. It's just as easy to earn a hundred. Now, most people would never believe that it's just as easy to earn a hundred thousand as it is to earn a million. What does it take, and what can I teach you? That is true. Just one of the things that I teach, which you have the privilege of, is learning how to pitch your thoughts, your ideas, your dreams, pitching them into reality, pitching them to other people, and making that what comes out of your mouth an absolute reality. And that truly is the secret between the hundred thousand and the ten million. When Donald Trump speaks, he doesn't sound the same as the guy who runs the grocery store, does he? Absolutely not. <laughs> I am so curious because I never got the um, the answer to this, but when you created the, the spin gym, how did, what made you come up with that concept, and how did you how did you bring it to fruition? Well, that's actually a very big conversation, and we might want to just start for your audience who goes, wait a second, I heard all that you said about her, but who is she again? So I had a very interesting backdoor life. I was a dancer, even though I was kind of chunky, so I uh, got made fun of all the time because I was overweight. So even though I was dancing on Broadway and working with Christopher Reeve and Bob Fosse, I was always on some sort of diet and always made to feel less than because not unlike if you ever watch Dancing with the Stars and you see Cheryl Burke or Lacey Schwimmer, they're just bigger girls. Well, back then when I was working, that was a very unpopular thing to be. And so I became very obsessed with diet and nutrition and things that I just didn't know. For example, and I was making myself nuts, and I'm sure many of your listeners can relate to this, 
I thought like a banana nut muffin, you know, the size of my fist, was good because it had banana and nuts in it. It also had enough trans fat and sugar to sink a battleship. And so I would eat these things, exercise all the time, and was still in size 12 to 14. I could never figure it out. And then I was exercising all the time. Well, the problem is when you do that, you burn out your adrenals, and your whole body doesn't function the way it could. You know, the difference is do you want an old jalopy or do you want a race car? I often say to people, would you ever put water in your gas tank? And the answer is no, right? Then I say, well, do you even try putting water in your gas tank? No, 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 I know it doesn't work. Really? But you'll put junk food in your body and expect it to look like an athlete. Huh, seems like kind of an odd thought, doesn't it, when you put it that way? <laughs> so I didn't understand that all. And by the way, none of that has to do with dieting at all. That's the worst thing you can do. And in fact, it changed the word diet rather than say it's a calorie it's a, a deprivation starvation what you eat it's none of those things D-I-E-T and I would recommend everybody listening go get a pen because this helps everyone D-I-E-T becomes decisions I eat today that's all it is love that what kind of decisions did you make but I know you are seriously writing it down it's lived on my wall for a very long time bodybuilders make very different decisions than somebody who's fighting obesity somebody on medication makes different decisions Somebody who, it's just interesting the way you choose. Do you read labels? Do you know what's in your food? Do you know if you're an emotional eater? I can go down the list. I have a book out called Eat, and Eat is online at myeatjournal.com, and it is simply a book that you write. It's got a lot of blank pages or a lot of, a lot of places to fill in. So it's a journal for what you eat and for what's eating you. Because as much as I talk about the fact that all these fast food places were available, I was also a very lonely child, not very attractive, didn't really date till I was 21. So I had all these emotional things that were going on, and I would eat over those. Does that sound familiar? Oh, yes. Yeah, I could stand in front of a refrigerator at 11.30 at night, and I would do this very often when I came home from work or stress, came home alone, open up the refrigerator. Trust me, I did not need a fork or knife or spoon. I just needed my two fingers and a, can a thing of Chinese food or a piece of cake, and I would not even leave the refrigerator while I would devour whatever was there. Not very graceful, very hard to admit, but I do talk about it because it was such an embarrassing down part of my life, and it affected me. And then you think, you know, you're covering it up like an alcoholic. Everybody sees They look at your body and go, Forbes, you're not in good shape. Why? You can't say that you are. So I didn't lie very well back then. And that part of the issue is when I finally came to grips, and then a miracle happened for me. I met Jack LaLanne. Now, I was 42 when it happened. I'd already gotten pregnant. had gave birth to two very big seven-pound babies. I had 208 pounds. My mom was 260 my whole life. And I ran into Jack LaLanne on the set of a juicer infomercial, and Jack looked at me, and he said, if man made it, don't eat it. Now, that's not a diet either. That's just a concept. Uh, and Jack had attended a health lecture when he was 14 years old back in the 40s, and he decided that he was never going to eat sugar again. But he became one of my best friends and my mentor, and we juiced and we blended and we ate out all the time and we talked about the value of food and that was the beginning of it. But one of the things that's always been missing for me was the exercise component. Now, there's a problem with exercise. We don't live in a society like we're supposed to as humans. Every other animal runs. First of all, animals are great to look at. Number one, do you ever see a fat gazelle or a fat giraffe or a dolphin that doesn't look like all the other dolphins? No chubby dolphins, right? Just because they eat the same food all the time. There's not a single animal in nature. Can you imagine a lion going, huh, honey, you want to go out for Chinese tonight? Or, oh, yeah, I want an extra thing at the buffet, the, the giraffe says. No, no, no. They don't. They eat the same thing all the time. Interesting. It grows, it's fresh, it's raw, and it's always there. Now... We as humans don't do that. We have way too many choices. And then we started in the 50s to process things. I mean, I went to school. My lunches were white bread and bologna. You know, that's what my parents thought was good after I had frosted flakes for breakfast with whole milk and then a chip fried chicken cutlet and french fries for dinner with a salad covered with Russian dressing. I don't know where the nutrition was at any. I don't know how we all survived. 
I know. Even uh, our vegetables came out of a can. They not only came out of a can, absolutely. I mean, it was scary. All my peas and asparagus all came out of a can. It was very depressing. What was real food? So we actually hurt ourselves as humans. So the first thing animals do is they eat raw natural food. And the second thing they do is they move all the time. Why? They're either going to find food or they are the food and they need to run away. They have two choices in, in nature. <laughs> the only animals you ever see that are fat are dogs and cats. Why? Because they're eating processed food that we feed them. So you got to go, wait a second. So we need to move throughout the day. Well, that's a tough concept if you've got an eight-hour job or you're sitting down or you work as an operator or you're standing on your feet as a teacher or even a policeman. You're not running and moving. You're standing, but you're not doing much. And that's unfortunately where our society has become. So I was trying to find a product that filled the gap. So for years, I tried to take a little dumbbell that you could fill with water or take resistance bands. Or none of this worked for me. Well, I have another little philosophy that you are the sum of the obstacles you overcome. In 1982, I got mugged. That hurt pretty badly. And I found myself in a dojo studying Taekwondo for a very long time to try and kick and punch the crap out of anybody I could find. That was interesting. So four years later, I became a brown belt. And then I realized that, that was a very hard discipline martial art because you, was, you, know, you have to use... Bruce Lee is one of my, my mentors spiritually. And he talked about how for martial arts, he created his own to fit his body. Well... In Taekwondo, you have to do high kicks, and if you're wearing a skirt and high heels, it's not really conducive because that's you're not going to get mugged wearing a karate outfit. You're going to get mugged wearing your own clothes. That's right. I know it's kind of funny. You're like, okay, those guys didn't think about that, and we as women need to adapt for ourselves. So I studied Aikido, and I studied grappling, and I studied Wing Chun Kung Fu, which was started by a Chinese nun, and I kind of amalgamated a lot of. And then I then I met Billy Blanks, and if you actually go on YouTube, you can see all these great stories. I put Billy Blanks on a talk show in 1995, long before Taibo became popular, and so I'm a pretty good fighter. Kind of a strange thing. I'm also a dancer. And then in 92, I got hurt in a ski accident and snapped my knee and had whatever. See, again, all the bad things that happened, I managed to turn them into something that made sense for me. And uh, I studied massage therapy. So I pretty much know what you look like without the skin on your body. Kind of an odd thought. But so I understand muscles, attachments, movement, and fighting. Then I bumped into, seven years ago, a guy who had this this toy, this Chinese toy that they were using over in the UK as a de-stressor. And it had these two rings and a thing in the middle. And I touched it. And when I got this thing spinning in my hand, I had an epiphany. I will swear to you, for the life of my children, that the whole floor opened up and I could see this vision of my life, of what of what this product, it was called something else, of what this meant to the world, of what I was supposed to do with it. That's weird. And seven years later, I'm living that story. And I said to him, things I've never said before, I said, well, what do you do with it? He said, well, we, we use it as an office de-stressor forms. I know you're a fitness person, but it's not really a fitness product. And I said, oh, no, no, no. It's the greatest fitness product. He said, well... I don't know what you're talking about, but here's the thing. I've done this business for a long time. I don't want to do it anymore. If you could sell 25,000 of these in a year, I will give you the business. Give me a tiny percentage. Well, 1.2 million later, uh, we're doing okay. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Well, but here's the, here's the thing, and these are things that legends are made out of. This wasn't easy. You know, I, I had some interesting breaks when I first started doing this. I created all the, the exercises, which, by the way, I just got a U.S. patent on my exercises. Thank mm-hmm. you. All the Pilates classes and things I've studied. I'm a personal trainer, massage therapist. All of this, I took all that training and said, I'm going to make my own thing. Uh, but I showed it. The first Christmas that I created this and gave it to somebody, they gave it back to me and said I would never use it. Then I went on a TV series called Pitchman. It aired on Discovery. We spent five months filming this, and I got my head handed to me and cried on national television. I was told my idea 
idea was stupid and I should go home. After five months of working with this was not Shark Tank. This was a, a very in-depth thing and they kind of railroaded me into whatever. And that's when I turned to my husband and said, honey, they're all wrong. Now, that's a very bold statement. But I'm the one who had the epiphany. I'm the one who had the vision. And I know when you look at Moses, not a lot of people thought they could cross the river either. You kind of got to believe that some guy actually had a vision if they say they do. All these people followed Martin Luther on faith alone. I've had this unending faith since I touched this thing that it was an important product to the world, that it was not an infomercial gadget like a shake weight, but that. And what's happened since then is I put it in the hands of thousands of people in wheelchairs who can get cardio. I've given it to people who were fighting obesity and now, you know, functioning and have lost hundreds of pounds. Um, certainly fitness people who use it. I've got the most ridiculously phenomenal stories because of my commitment to this thing, but it's taken everything that I am to make it come true. It is an amazing story, and I know you, you, you just don't stop. And, you know, we, um, I remember you saying something at the uh, talk the other night about how this past January you actually sold $61,000 worth of spingems in one day on HSN. Stop, stop. Not $61,000. 61,000 spingems at $25. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That is $1.2 million in 24 hours. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry I got that incorrect. That is awesome. This morning, in 20 minutes... On HSN at 7 a.m., I sold 2,800 of Spingens in 20 minutes. Yeah, I, I actually, the, the advantage that I've got over, over a lot of people, although I help people do this all the time, is that I've been on home shopping for 25 years. You know, this whole thing started with understanding what the perfect pitch is, and then I've got a platform because I'd already been on television for many years selling other people's products. But I notice a difference when I sell my own that I am so in crazy and you know excited about this and, and what it does for people. To date, we've sold most of that 1.2 million via live home shopping. That's amazing. So now you're speaking of the pitch. When you're out there selling that many units in that short amount of time, I mean, I know you are the queen of pitch. What are some of the things that people need to be aware of when they are creating that pitch for their business or their product or service? Well, see, it's not quite that easy. So when I'm out there right now, that pitch has taken me over the course of six years to massage it. I also pitch Spingium in person to people, and I, I can sell a Spingium in about 30 seconds to somebody. But in the beginning, I couldn't. I mean, I would be at trade shows, and I would be working out with somebody for 15 minutes, and they'd walk away and still not buy one. I didn't know what I was doing wrong. So what I've concluded from... I mean, I've sold $2.5 billion worth of products on television. From I've had 142 national infomercials from cleaners to juicers to shoe insoles to you name it. Um, I had a TV series on Body by Jake with Fit TV where all I did was sell everybody else's fitness products. So the answer to that question is a little more involved. Now, I do have a free ebook, and if people, uh, we don't have, the URL is a little crazy at the moment. I will give you that information so if your people reach out to you, um, I'll give them access to a free e-pitch book. And then I have a new real book coming out about this, Life's a Pitch and Then You Buy. Because I've done a lot of analysis of what it means to pitch. You know, it all started, uh, the whole snake oil thing, or you would go to a state fair and somebody would sell something, and how did they engage people? There's a couple of things that you need to absolutely know to make your business successful, and it's how you pitch at every single level. So let's assume that you've got a product or service that works. That's actually not the easiest thing to do, by the way, having your product. But you're going to have a moment to talk about it. The first thing that's really important is to figure out when you do that, who you're talking to. You know, the other night we were on the boat. Uh, after I gave my speech, people always come up to me and, and try out their pitch. 
Well, one of the women was the photographer. And she said, hi, my name is Marion Bubba, and I have Marion Bubba Photographers, and I make your life immortal. And she stopped talking. And I said, and she's like, so is that a good pitch? And I said, no, no, that's a good log line for a piece of advertising in a newspaper, but it's not a pitch. Because when you pitch, somebody is going to buy. Now, listen to this for a second. They can buy with their money like they do, you know, when you sell something or on television like I do, but they can also pay attention or they can buy into your idea. So that's what has to happen. There needs to be a reaction. So I said to her, the first thing that you haven't done is you haven't made an assumption about who you're talking to. By the way, if you're wrong, you're wrong. But in this case, she knew exactly who I was. I'm Forbes Riley. I'm on television. I have photos. What I said, her perfect pitch to me would have been, hi, my name is is Christy Bubba. I have this photography company. And Forbes, I know that you probably have a lot of photographs. I just got me one that are great, but you know, I am... I'm very connected to making people look and feel their best when I do this. And I might even be willing to offer you a free photo session so you can see how good I am. Maybe post them on social media and recommend me to your friends. Are you open for that? That's a pitch. I would go, yes, I think that's great. We can trade out something. And all of a sudden now you're in business with somebody. But just to come up and tell me what you do, I don't really care what you do. I care what you can do for me or what I can do for you. And I don't mean me personally. So when you have an elevator pitch, that means you've got about 30 seconds to enroll somebody's energy to see if you're a right match so that you can trade cards. And better yet, first of all, in my coaching, and this is why I really, really need to coach people. It's not a a thing you can read in a book. It's not instant soup. You don't put it in a pot with some water and it's always the same. There's so many things that people don't realize that go into this. The very basic of which which I teach, what kind of shoes are you wearing? Now, seriously, my mom taught me this one. You look at, you're going to date somebody, you look at the guy. She always said, make sure you look at his teeth, his socks, and his shoes. Are his teeth <laughs> nice and clean? He's not, is, do we pull up his socks and his shoes nice and shiny? Well, there's something to be said about that when, you're in, when you go to pitch somebody. You know, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. If you tell me that you're a very smart together person and you're wearing a jean, and I've actually had that. You know, this is funny. I teach a pitch class, and one of the women came up on stage with me and she was in a pretty much a t-shirt and pair of shorts, and she ran some sort of tech something, and she started talking about her whole pitch, and I looked at her, and some people find this offensive, and that's okay too. Take offense. Because by the way, nobody loves and cares about you as much as I do in that moment. I'm not there to be right. I'm there to make you successful. And I said to her, I said, she said about something about being a CEO. I said, do people take you seriously? And she said, no. She said, it's very hard to get my ideas across, blah, blah, blah. I said, do you ever stop to think about how you dress? And she said, oh, no, I'm not a fashionista, Forbes. Don't even go there. And I said, no, no, you've got to stop. How about you being a fashionista? You, all, you pitched an energy to me when you walked up here in a T-shirt that says your college on it and you look kind of like a kid, and you look seriously frumpy, when people invest in an idea, they not only invest in the idea itself, but are you the right person to execute it? So it's okay for a geek computer guy, IT, to walk in not looking, you know, kind of frumpy, because you almost expect that that's how he should look. But if your lawyer walked in looking like that, you would not go, I'm not going to give you 400 bucks an hour, because you look like you walked out of, well, but I work out of my house. I don't care what you do. The pitch starts from the moment your voice is part of it on the phone, do you ever cold call somebody? Your vocabulary, how you look, what your hair, teeth, nails, and skin look like. I mean, I've got to tell you something. All of this comes into play. Somebody's going to pitch me an idea, and they have dirty nails as a woman, or they chewed their nails. I know mean, that sounds petty, but you're trying to size somebody up with whatever information you've got. 
Remember, you gotta elicit, you gotta elicit a response, or I gotta buy into it. The other, so that's one element. I mean, I could go literally go on for days, which is why I teach a course, which I would love to invite you. My next one, um, I don't know how often this will run, but I teach probably once, once a month. Maybe not even once a month. It's so hard to get me in town. Um, but I do it when I can, because I love what it does for people. It changes their lives. If you can give somebody, this is like giving someone keys to the kingdom. You've already got so much inside of you. But if you don't wrap the present right, it doesn't really matter what's inside. No one ever gets to it. They go for the nicer looking present. Does that seem shallow? Absolutely. And we all are. So the sex, so now you're going to make an assumption about who you're talking to. You know, does your person come from money? Are they interested? And the other thing is, you also have to assume, how much time do they have to listen to me talk? Can I get my pitch out in 30 seconds? I've had people stand there and start to talk to me and sell me an idea that I'm like, I'm lo- my eyes are glazed over, but they never looked enough to look at my eyes to see that my eyes were glazed over or that I'm trying to get out of it because A, I'm not interested in what it is and, and B, it just, it's, it's, it's kind of offensive at some point. Now you're just taking up my time, so now I don't like you. <laughs> Again, not. So all of those things go into the sun. You hear me? <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> So it's just maybe you know if more people could understand how to pitch this, they could all get what they want. That is that is invaluable information. Thank you so much. And I think if people really take that and dissect it and look at what they're doing and what they're not doing, they can become very successful. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you. That's not true. And it's not true, and this is a huge lesson for me. Every great person, performer, athlete has a coach. I'm friends with Serena Williams. I'm in business with her, a thing I do called Cool Towels on Home Shopping. And Serena has five coaches. Probably there's more that I don't know about, but she's got a strength coach and a a tennis coach and a weight coach and a business coach and some other coach. Why would somebody so successful need all that coaching? She's already great, right? Well, no. The truth is you can't ever see all around you. You can't see where your holes are, and we all have them. Every great basketball player, hmm, they all have a coach, several coaches. Why? So you could take the information, as smart as you are, Digest it, analyze it, apply it to your business. You will never succeed to the level that I want you to or that you can. And it doesn't have to be me as a coach. But I'm going to tell you that you need somebody outside of you to listen to what you're doing. Because the truth is you've been doing whatever you do for so long. For you to make a radical shift, it's very hard to do. I bumped into a man who was uh, an image consultant years ago. Completely changed my life in just one hour. Everything from my hair to my makeup to the colors that I was wearing, he made me get my colors analyzed, and he made me change my name. Okay? I don't think I would have done any of this. I hated this man when I left his office. I hated it. Just, I had to get, he's like, you need your hair cut and colored, and you shouldn't wear black. And I'm like, what, the, who, what are you talking about? Well, I did all of the things that he said, and my life completely changed. And I will tell you that without seeking help, you know, you went out to, a, you went out to meet me. You went to a seminar. You got inspired by somebody. That's one level of it. But to have somebody then turn that attention and focus solely on you and your success is one of the greatest gifts. I find that so many people don't invest in themselves enough. That is very true. I'm an image consultant myself, and I know that when I see a client, I usually have to start, like, from, I go into their closet, basically, and I just, you know, rip them apart because it's the same thing. People get so stuck and the way they look, the way they wear their hair. Sometimes they just don't think about it. They don't care about it. They don't want to spend any money on it. And I and I tell them all, it's like, you don't have to have $5,000 to get a new wardrobe. I, I teach a class on capsule wardrobing where I take 12 articles of clothing and make 35 outfits out of it, and I only pay $66, and they're actually designer clothes. So it's not like it's finding them at the right places on great deals. And they're like floored when they see how easy it can be and how it can really 
make a difference in your life and how people perceive you. Correct. So that image is very important. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, well, it's something that most men actually don't focus on, which is interesting. When, no, you know, they, they do not. And I don't think a lot of people teach pitching anyway. But I do think this is a very invaluable. I didn't realize that's what you did. That's very exciting. What is your pitch, by the way? I help women and men's fantasies come true by helping them look and feel their best while living for the landmark. I would take out that word fantasies because as soon as you did that, I went to sex and thinking, huh, what am I wearing in my wardrobe? <laughs> That's a different not, radio show. <laughs> dream, well, no, but dreams are different than fantasies. Again, it's important. Dreams. Okay, I like that. Dreams. I'm going to use that. Oh, thank you. Thank I'll you. you. I'll, give you some, I'll give you some great pitch lines. Come over and check out my wardrobe. You got it. I love your yes and no's. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know, some people do and some people don't. That's another thing, too. Um, social media. What is your pitch? You know, people use the word branding. Branding is a very noun static concept to me. Um, you do need to brand yourself, but again, that's very kind of a tough thing. I'd rather think about it actively as though you're pitching. And what is it in your social media that you're pitching? I'm not engaged to read most people's social media. They don't even know why they do it. And in the early days when I, I set out, I had very specific goals. I wanted my numbers to be huge so that book and TV people would take me very seriously. I now have, a hundred, I have 535,000 likes on my Facebook page. Um, and some of the techniques that I used to get that, uh, certainly studied and played with. You know, and then I also realized that none of that should be taken too seriously because it's social media. And what is it that you want to get? Well, at some point, I started posting pictures. You know, I was up late at night um, between having young kids and going through whatever hormonally you go through at 2 o'clock in the morning. I love the fact that I've been doing Facebook now for like five or six years. And I sit up in the middle of the night for like an hour, like from 2 to 3 I get up and play around. And what interests me, well, I used to go through magazines and look at, you know, you know, pictures and post people. You know, that's what I would do anyway growing up. I'm sure you did if you're in, you love fashion and you looked at women's magazines. And I took posting pictures and thought, wow, do I like it? Don't I like it? What do people think? And I started creating this yes or no. Well, it's funny because it's controversial. One person said, well, you must be gay. You post an awful lot of pictures of beautiful women. Well, no, I grew up reading Glamour and Vogue. It's only that has anything to do with my sexuality. I love looking how people look in clothes. Um, I love seeing what sparks people. It became this whole social experiment for me. And I have had the time of my life doing it. You know, and then I'll sprinkle in certainly some of my own philosophies and I'm, I love the communicating. I love the fan base. I love the social aspect. I'm, I'm actually in love with the thing that I hate about social, about Facebook at the moment is that even though I have 500,000 people, apparently I only have access to like 20,000 at a time. Unless you boost your post, you're actually not communicating with your list. So they really want you to buy the ability to boost it and actually that's how they make money. And the advertising. Mm-hmm. Ooh. But again, it's important for your business. I meet so many business people who don't, oh, I don't do social media. Well, welcome to the 21st century. Do you, is your business successful? Do you have an audience? Do you have a list? I mean, I talk about this all the time. Now, I don't teach those things, but I do have masterminds. We all sit around and share ideas. What does it mean to grow your list, to have a funnel, to communicate with them, to understand how to innovatively grow as technology is changing? Are you, you know, do you have an app? Do you have a book? All these things that people go, wait, I don't, do I need all that? Well, only if you want to be successful. Although you also have to define what successful is for people. You know, everybody's success level, I think I talked a little bit about this the other night. I was very unhappy in my 30s because I didn't have it all. I looked at my friends who had, you know, the house in the Hamptons, the big apartment in New York. They'd married somebody wealthy. They had 2.5 children. And I was a struggling actress and didn't have any of those things, so I must have not. I don't have it all. And I got obsessed with this concept until one day I took, kind of like I did with the word diet, I turned all on its side. I said, how do we just redefine all? And all became A-L-L, a loving life. And I said, do I have that? Well, actually, I do. I've got two great parents. I've got a sister. I've got a couple of really good friends. I'm dating somebody. Yeah, actually, I do. I can start smiling now. I have it all. I don't have all defined by 
Vogue or Cosmopolitan magazine, but I have it for me. This next thing happened when I was in L.A., drove up my little Toyota to the Four Seasons, whatever event I went to, and the valet looked down his nose at me, parked me somewhere like 15 miles away because the Bentleys and the Rolls and the Mercedes were all parked up front, and I walked into this event feeling a little less than successful. Well, shame on me, because I define success by the people who were the Hollywood stars that I saw, or the people who were thinner and more prettier than me, or the people who drove great cars. My choice to decide that, correct? Well, what I neglected to think about was success has all kind of definitions. I have a girlfriend who's confined to a wheelchair for the entire rest of her life. She's got muscular dystrophy, and um, she can't walk across the floor in a pair of high heels and tight skirt. She'd love to do that. That would be the ultimate success for her, to go on a date without having somebody carry her to the bathroom. I can go on and on. I can do all of those things. I take it for granted. To her, I'm the most successful person in the world just because I can do those things. I now stand at a party when I get uncomfortable, and I think that you know people have more than I do, and I look around and I take a moment, I say, I am the most successful person in the world to Christine. Just enjoy that I'm this successful. And I stand up a little taller, and I scoop up my confidence, and I can talk to almost anybody because I'm incredibly successful. So you can do that at any point with any of these words, and that's something that completely changed my life. I can easily compare myself to 100 people right now and be less than successful. I am not as cute as Maria Menounos, who's in her 30s, and she's doing E at the moment. I am not Christina Ferrari, who's got the TV show that I really wanted. I can do all that, right? Or I can look over here and say, I've got a beautiful family. I've got two healthy children. My son doesn't have autism like so many of my friends. My kids are both healthy. Knock on wood, dear God. You know, I have all of these. Choose to define your success so that it works for you, not against you. That's one of the biggest lessons. Words to live by. Amazing. You are so inspirational, and that's why, I mean, I love speaking with you. It's just every time I talk to you, there's something else I learn from you, and it's just, uh, I love it. I, I have one last question for you, because I see that you're offering a Spin Gym brand ambassador program. Can you tell the audience a little bit about that, and if somebody's interested in becoming one, how they can do it, and what it entails? Yeah, you know, if you want the secret to looking good, come take my class. It is a one-day intensive class. And I guarantee the results. If you don't get what it is, I'll give your money back. So there's no risk that you can't show up. Eight hours. I impart to people, it, it is called the Spin Gym Brand Ambassador, because when you fall in love with this little object that you can carry in your hand, you can do at your desk. I just did it on an airplane and uh, did in a stadium with 10,000 people on stage the other day in Atlanta. Spin Gym has the ability to double your heart rate in less than a minute, whatever you're doing, even if you're sitting at your desk. There's no other product on the planet that does that. And the problem is you get home when you buy a spin gym and you watch my DVDs and they're great and you start doing it. But again, without a coach, you only know what you know. You're like, oh, this is kind of fun. I can play with it. Well, when you come to a class that either I teach or one of my master trainer teachers, we're going to show you how you can engage this little thing to work your arms, your tries, your core, your back, your posture. I will explain and reintroduce you. Maybe you never know how your body anatomically works. Why, if you sit scrunched over like so many people of us do over a computer or a cell phone that you're texting on, you are squishing your lungs, your core, and diaphragm. You're losing energy, and you're going to get fat. 
I know that sounds weird, but the stress that comes from that tiredness produces cortisol, which is belly fat, and it's a terrible cycle. I'm going to show you how spingium works on your abs, thighs, your cardio. People go, wait a second, I didn't know it did that. Of course you didn't. You're not a martial artist who got a U.S. patent, who's spent 655 hours studying Pilates. I'm going to synthesize all of that down to an eight-hour class, and then I'm going to give you five, five free spingiums, which is another $150 value, just to get you started. Because here's the thing about spingium. I just want you, when you fall in love with it, your arms and your core and your body will change. I know that. I've been doing it for seven years. I have people all over the world who send me emails, who show me pour all these beautiful accolades and the fact that I introduced them to this little product. The product sells for less than $30. Seriously? I'm not talking a big investment here, but the knowledge that you can get from a class. No, a class is not $30. class is about $300, but you get $150 value for spingems. If you refer somebody else, I will give you $50 so you can immediately make some money. Bring your best friend along, you make $50. Bucks. Y'all, I mean... I'm setting it up so that you get so excited about your life, your body, this product, that you can't stop talking about it. And when people do that, the word of mouth has been phenomenal on Spingem. So we talk about getting fit, having fun, making money. You don't have to sell Spingems, but chances are you will give it to somebody as a gift, somebody that you care about. You will donate one to an old folks home somewhere because you know somebody could really use to move and groove and have fun. But we dance with this, we play with this. I will change your core. I've never met a woman sort of my bodybuilder friends who likes their abs, who likes their little pooch. And I'll share something with you. I read an article in a newspaper that just touched my heart in a way that nothing really has in a long time. It was a story of a woman who was dying, and she was sad that for so long she hated her body, and all that she wishes for now is that she wished she hadn't done that. For so long, her whole life she was overweight, and people always told her that she should hate that fat. She hated her squishy arms. She hated her belly. And then now as she's dying, she's like, you know what? I'm going to miss my body. I'm going to miss the body that helped me bring children into the world. I'm going to miss the body that carried me down the aisle in my wedding dress. Whatever size it was, it was my body. How much time have you spent hating the body that you're in? So I'm not telling you that you need to be any different size or shape, but I will tell you that to improve your fitness and your strength and your flexibility and your endurance, something that you owe to the body that carries your soul, your head, your heart. And if you do not take care of it, it will fall apart. It will die. It will be obese. It will be not comfortable. It won't be fun to look at. So... We teach all that. Really, it's kind of, and I don't want to get too metaphysical here, but it's a little bit of a mind, body, you know, body, spirit thing. But you leave with a tangible product that will help you get fit and strong in about five minutes a day. Seriously, don't you think everyone should take this class? That sounds like sign me up. I mean, it's exactly what I need. I, I am going through something on a health issue where uh, I'm getting really bad inflammation and it's causing weight gain. And it's really frustrating to me because I've always been like a size two my whole life. And it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm working out, I'm eating whole foods, I'm doing all these things, but like nothing is going away. So it's like, I just right. well, well, I would ask you, as, but given who I am, my question then, when you say you're working out, just real quickly so everyone can hear, what are you doing? I do all my workouts in the pool because I have a spinal injury from several accidents I've had. So I do all my crunches, I do laps, I do um, leg lifts and squats, I do everything in the pool. I do my arm exercises, I use a noodle and I use weight resistance against my weight. And it's actually, it's weird because I'm, I'm actually feeling that I'm gaining muscle and getting stronger, but the, the belly fat, no matter how many crunches I'm doing and no matter how many juices I'm doing, it doesn't want to go away. So that's been my, my fun uh, item to get rid of. Well, I would love to have that conversation with you. Um, I certainly have some keys and some products I've worked with over the years that help fight inflammation naturally, and probably your doctor's not told you about them because they don't sell, uh, you know, they don't sell things that aren't drugs. 
Um, exactly. But I've had a huge effect on almost everyone that's ever come in contact with me. So I try to teach this class or have someone on my staff teach this class once a month. My, um, it is all day. And then, of course, that, that's one of the things, um, as I'm hopefully lots of people will hear this, is that I'm looking at the moment, anyone who can put 20 to 30 people in a room, I will fly to them at the moment and teach this class. Because I'm on a mission to get as many people trained in what I'm talking about because I've seen how well it works. And there's only one of me, so I am actively soliciting personal training trainers who I then coach to do this. And, you know, it's a tiny little business. It's interesting. You know, I have personal trainers all over the world who use Spingem as part of their training arsenal. I've got small retail boutiques who sell Spingem. And I don't sell or give this to anyone who doesn't go through the class. It's only one day. But you've got to get that level of certification and understanding about what this thing is. Because when you do, you go, oh, my God, we've all been waiting for this. Thank you. How, how do they get in touch with you if they want to sign up for that? Well, there's a couple of ways. One, I highly recommend that you go on Facebook and go to my Forbes Riley fan page and like it. I post a lot of information there. People can private message me there. Um, you can call my office, and I'll give you guys my actual phone number. Uh, very often I pick up the phone. You know, we have a customer service center inside my building. I own a television studio down here in town that I built. By the, oh, by the way, you have to check out Forbes Living TV. Go to ForbesLivingTV.com. You can watch it on We. I have a new national talk show that you guys really ought to check out that I actually inspire entrepreneurs on national television. But the phone number, because I gave you just enough time to go get a pen or a pencil or write on your iPad as my kids can now do so easily, it's 727-954-7071. And you can certainly always go to ForbesRiley.com. There's, there's lots of ways to contact me. People seem to find me everywhere. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Twitter I don't really get, though. Um, but reach out, get connected. I always post it as an event whenever we teach one. And, and then last, I'm going to share one more thing with you that I'm doing. So I've got a talk show that you definitely should check out. Spin Gym to Me, Ultimate Fitness when it comes to that. I've uh, got a, fun, a couple of other fun products, whether it's my Eat Journal. But I've also started a travel company. I'm started with a travel company. I just came back from these guys that is selling the most amazing discount travel. And so write this down. If you get a chance to watch this video, if you're looking to either take trips, by the way, that's where memories are made. Everyone should travel. But if you want to travel at wholesale prices to amazing resorts that are literally five-star resorts at two-star prices, go to ForbesRiley.WorldVentures.Biz. It's an opportunity where you can make money if you want to, but the people who put this company together are are generous, they've got big hearts, they're amazing, they're 400,000 members at the moment in 25 countries, and I'm going to start a world tour with them on health and fitness. Oh, that is phenomenal. Well, Forbes, thank you so much again for taking the time out to be here this evening. I know you have a lot to do <laughs> in front of yourself. I'm hoping that we can get together soon in town when you're, when you're around. And I just also wanted to let everybody out there that's listening today to thank you for joining us. Thank you, Forbes. Uh, thank all you guys. Have a very blessed time. I appreciate the time you spent listening to it. Reach out. Stay connected. You're doing a great job. Thanks, Forbes. That means a great deal to me. And if you like this episode, please share it with your friends. And remember, it's never too late to begin to live the life of your dreams and leave a trailblazing behind you. So lock on and lock out, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Namaste. Namaste. 